Wait for it. Wait for it. And we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. And without further ado, we're going to prove that to you tonight as we get this gaggle of folks together to get nerdy about G.I. Joe comic books. So I have the nerdiest of nerds when it comes to all things comics and pictorial. Um, so I, I think I have the perfect panel for this. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to let all of our guests introduce themselves to our listeners and viewers. We're going to start in sort of clock order because uh, I can tell time the old-fashioned way. Kids these days can't. Uh, and we're going to go with John Apple. Can you introduce yourself, sir? Hey, I'm John Apple. Uh, pencil, pencil and ink in a book called Exodus Z. And uh, I've been a lifelong G.I. Joe fan, as long as I can remember. I mean, I was there for with the cartoon as a kid, and I, n- I never stopped watching it. I liked it so much that between that and living outside of Fort Bragg as a kid, it was inevitable I was going to join the military. Okay. Hopefully you shot better than G.I. Joe, because they missed Definitely. that. Definitely. They're almost star, uh, star stormtrooper levels. Yeah. No, I, I can hit on both I sides, though. Yeah, but not quite 18 level. And I, I never really quite liked how the, the they assign the good guy versus bad guy laser colors. Yeah, me either. But I'm also colorblind, so I could be wrong. You can tell me <laughs> in the comment section. All right, Mr. Darren Drader, you've been on before, but can you introduce yourself to people who might have missed that episode? Sure, I'm Darren Drader. I am a tabletop role playing game designer. Um, it's been in it for about 23 years. Um, I'm also, I've been a G.I. Joe fan since I was probably about 13 years old, I think. Um, kind of started when I went to a friend of mine's house and he had all these brand new G.I. Joe toys I'd never even seen or heard of before. And I thought they were really cool because before that, um, I've been playing with like, you know, the Star Wars figures with non-bendable arms and non-bendable legs. And I was like, oh, these are so cool. So I ended up uh, harassing my mother until she bought me some. And then that led to my entire room being filled with toys. And then eventually I got into the comic book. So uh, anyway, that's my qualification for being here. All right. Next but not least, we have the guy who had to wrangle his kids before he could wrangle <laughs> us, Mr. Ryan Scramble Costello. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Sure. I'm Ryan Costello. I'm one of the writers on the G.I. Joe RPG. I helped design the Essence 20 system that runs it. And I've worked on just about every uh every product in the gi joe rpg line and uh, beyond that like i've helped organize the canadian gi joe convention for years i uh, was the subject of the fanatical episode on gi joe uh i've been a big gi joe fan all my life and uh you know just like putting that fandom out there okay fanatical huh fanatical yeah it was a kind of like trekkies but as a tv series there we go. <laughs> Darren's got okay. uh, and all the hate mail can Here. go to you. Anyway. Uh, all right. Uh, next, we have Mr. Michael LaVoice. Let me put this on the single screen. That's Ooh. a pretty picture. Show us that again. Oh. Yeah. Versus spiders. And your, your room, sir, looks like a Tiger Force, Python Patrol, and a bunch of the other smaller factions. Yeah, that? I like it. I like it. I said I like it. All right. Nice. Um, so then we have Mr. Michael LaVoice. Can you introduce yourself, sir? 
Yes, sir. I'm Michael Lavoie, uh, science fiction space opera writer, uh, author of uh, Galaxy's Most Wanted, among other things. Uh, I've been a G.I. Joe fan since the comics came out when I was a kid. Uh, the comics actually got me into the toys and the toys got me into the TV show. And uh, But the comics never really left my heart as far as that goes, because uh, they were just so awesome. And uh, I used to have the original 155 issue run. I don't have that anymore. And I hate myself for it. <laughs> Breaks my heart. I, I did the cartoons and played with the toys. I never did the comics, but you know, maybe one day I will fix this. Nick keeps saying I need to read the picture books. Yeah, read the funny books. Read the funny books. I mean, mm -hmm. I read the comics if you count like what came in the back of the Sunday paper. Does that count? No, no, no. It only I'm counts side eye from everyone on the panel. I guess I've been told Family Circus just isn't the same thing, dude. No. <laughs> All right. It's got to have and blue and red lasers. Yeah, last but not least, we have Mr. Eric Amona. Hi, everybody. What's that? Did I pronounce it anywhere close to the realm of Eric Mona, yeah, you got it right. Hi, everybody. I'm Eric Mona. I By day, I am the publisher and chief creative officer at Paizo. We make the Pathfinder and Starfinder role-playing games. By night, when I have spare time, I'm usually chopping up G.I. Joe action figures down here in my little workshop in my new house. Uh, and upon uh, moving back here, I've been a fan of G.I. Joe my whole life. Pretty much saw the figures in the store in like 1983. Fell in love with that. Fell in love with the comic. Fell in love with the cartoon. Fell out of love with it about 1989. And then during the pandemic, actually, I just started getting interested in customizing action figures. It's something I always wanted to do. And I got deep into it. I've done. I've made like 50 GI Joe dudes out of different modern parts. And uh, in doing that, I'm kind of delving back into the lore for the first time in a long time. And because I just moved from Seattle back to Minneapolis, where I ditched all my childhood comic books with my parents, they are now unditching everything I ever abandoned uh, <laughs> over the course of my whole life, and that includes my entire GI Joe comic book collection from when I was Silent a kid. So I, I am going through those. I'm rereading it from the beginning. And uh, Darren's like, hey, some friends are doing a podcast about GI Joe. And I'm like, I want in. So here I am. Thank you for having me. Also, and we're going to have to have you come back to talk about the RPG stuff because we're branching out to all the things. And Ooh, that sounds like wow. it could be fun and it's fun in its own right. We've got a panoply of experts on the subject here tonight, as it turns out. Uh, outstanding. <laughs> all right. And so since I mentioned my shamefulness of not having read the G.I. Joe comics, Stabby, have you, have you actually engaged in the G.I. Joe comics or did you just get here to uh, sport the lovely shirt? Uh, no, I've read the comics. I've watched the movies. I've watched the TV show. I make my 13-year-old read the comics, as well as I shaved all my Barbies' heads because they had to go to war with the Joes. So <laughs> it's not just a shirt for me. It's a lifestyle choice. Okay. Wait, wait, Nick, take that down. What are you doing? All right. <laughs> when did you find the comics for G.I. Joe, Nick? Oh, wow. Um, probably when I first started getting into comics, so I was about eight, so we're talking 1985, which is a good year to get into G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. That's for sure. So, yeah. Ended up on, like, I was just pulling everything out of the spinner rack I could, because now I was addicted to comics, so I was looking for every fix I could get, and one of them was a G.I. Joe comic. So... Okay. I was like, okay, cool. 
I like this. I like the toys. You know, uh, let's see if the uh, what's the writers and artists can recreate some of those battles that I had in my bedroom or in the front yard. <laughs> okay, they so didn't, by the way. We're gonna start, and everyone can just sort of chime in, free willy style. But um, what was it that drew you in about the GI Joe universe, and then expand on that to the comic specifically? That's an easy one for me. Uh, I since an early age, I wanted to be in the military and do like cool guy stuff and then come across this franchise that was nothing but cool guys, you know? So a few cool girls. Like, oh, this... yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in the Nick universe of GI Joe, Scarlet was hooking up with beachhead because he's the man. Oh, but, uh, yeah. No one, no one's dating gun ho, bro. <laughs> Maybe another marine. But. Well, you know, I mean, she was the snake eyes. Isn't he the bigger badass? That's debatable. <laughs> he, 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 he's just poking. I mean, yeah, he crawled out of a burning Blackhawk, but whatever, you know. <laughs> Anyone else? And, have, and uh, save Scarlet's life, but yeah, who cares? Yeah, who's counting? Nah. Fuck snake eyes. Meh. <laughs> hey, so I, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to. Sorry. Uh, I. I'm old enough to have played with the original 12-inch G.I. Joe figures when G.I. Joe was just one guy and with the Kung Fu grip and <laughs> a little peach fuzz uh, stubble that they put on, which I thought was And his pretty, hair, pretty too. His cool. hair was that peach fuzz stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, My grandparents' uh, house had in, a few of those hanging Britain, around. He was action man. Uh, action. But here he was G.I. Joe. And uh, uh, that's was like the segue into the comics for me because my brother and I had all these action figures that were really big. And then they made the small ones to come out to coincide. That's what the comic was promoting to begin with. And uh, so I was like, Oh cool. GI Joe. And I was like, wait, who are all these people? This is dope. <laughs> and that was it. I was hooked. Okay. I can't remember a time I haven't been interested in GI Joe. I mean, I, I, uh, I wouldn't say I would watch like the very, first episode when I was a kid, but whenever it was on, I was watching it and whatever it was about it, I was just enamored. And like I said earlier, I, I lived outside of Fort Bragg as a kid. And between that and watching GI Joe, I ended up becoming one myself. So I, I'm still fascinated by it. And I'm, I guess, technically middle-aged now. And I, I, I can't get enough of it as long as it's drawn well. I don't, yeah, yeah I, I can't stand badly drawn comics. <laughs> so I'm in the same boat of like not remembering a time where I wasn't into G.I. Joe. Like I was born in 1980. The Real American Hero came out in 1982. I have an older brother, so he started getting a collection. And I just kind of like grew up with it. It was mm -hmm. as much of a my part of my childhood as like Batman and Spider-Man and anything else. Like this was just pop culture for me. This is the heroes that I grew up on. For me, the lineage is really easy. Like I was probably five years old when someone gave me the firefighter Fisher Price adventure person and sort yeah. of changed the trajectory of my entire life. Uh, and then very shortly after Star Wars came out and the Star Wars figures, uh, I was obsessed with those and they were very similar articulation. Then somehow in the mix, these weird things called Micronauts worked their way in and mm -hmm. they were much micronauts more were awesome. dynamic yep. and poseable, but they were also really shrimpy and didn't quite work. And that was my first like thing where I was going to be a scale fascist for my action figures. So the Micronauts were out, but inspiring. And then along comes these like articulated 
uh, GI Joes. And I think so 1983, I would have been uh, eight years old. And I think even then the idea of something that was a little more realistic was really starting to appeal to me. Um, and so I liked that element of it. Um, I never really followed it through to an actual military career, but I think in another way, it was very inspirational because I played, you know, with so many of these toys my whole life. And then I think I was like, how do I make that imagination element sort of what I, what I do for my life. And so now I publish role-playing games. Okay. Um, so anybody else have their, their first introduction story that they want to share with everyone? Well, I think I already mentioned mine, um, you know, kind of started with me at a friend's house and, you know, he had these GI Joes that are just so much better than the Star Wars figures. I mean, in terms mm -hmm. of the detail, in terms of the articulation, everything, they're just incredible. Um, and you know, that led to this enormous collection of toys. You know, I had the aircraft, the helicopter, you know, uh, the, the Cobra jet, the Joe jet, um, so on and they so have forth. names, but, Darren. Do you remember the uh, names? Uh, about, the only, uh, about the only thing I didn't get my hands on was the USS flag. Okay. Everyone remembers the flag. Nobody actually owned it. I did have a friend, but he was rich. I had it, and yes, then our house had eight and a half feet of water three years later, and I can assure you the USS flag does not float. Oh, <laughs> I had you it for this brief shining moment in time. So to answer your question, Ryan, uh, Hiss Tank, Rattler, um, <laughs> I forget I forget the Joe Jet. Sky Striker. Sky Shark? Sky, yep, Sky Striker. Um, Dragonfly. Dragon. Helicopter. Yep. I have all of those in the I remember, garage I remember right some now, of them. except for the flag. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I um I passed down what I had to my son, including the 83 Joe base, um, is currently in his room. Um, his 10th birthday, he got all of my Joe stuff, but then I started finding some of the stuff that I or my mom had gotten rid of over the years and started bringing it back in. So I have the blue and the black his tank. I have the um, carriers. I have the rocket launchers. We have the um, the ones. That, oh man, I can't remember what they are. The um, ones that the water moccasins right on. No, they're all down in the garage, just collecting dust right now because our house is kind of tiny. Um, I, I'm a sucker for the vehicles more than like having the figures. I still have a bunch of the figures. Don't get me wrong. Like a ridiculous amount of the figures, but I like having the vehicles because they're so hard to find. And I am um, a few of them are actually, I still have the boxes for, um, and everybody's like, Oh, Marissa, do you know how much money you could get? I'm like, yeah, but then I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but, well, um, go ahead, Tier. No, no, finish what you're saying. I was going to say, um, I have six brothers. So being into Barbies wasn't the cool thing to be into, despite my mom and my grandmother trying to force me to be as girly as possible. I really wasn't. And um, Joe's were just more fun. They were more fun to play with than, you know, Barbie and Ken. So every time they bought me a Barbie, they'd catch me in the playroom cutting her hair off because she needs a buds cut because she's got to go to work. It's okay. So I realized we didn't do the religion question to our two new guests. So we're oh, going to start oh, with what? Uh, Ryan and Eric. <laughs> yeah. are going to answer. We've got Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly. Ryan first. 
I like I own much more Star Wars merchandise, but I've probably enjoyed more Star Trek and for longer periods of my life. So I'm going to say Star Trek. It's acceptable answer. Uh, what about you, Eric? Star, well, Wars, Star Trek or Firefly? With no hesitation. With no hesitation. Star Trek. Not even a contest. Uh, it's a, on an entire different level. Star Wars once ascended much higher than that, but I, the luster is... The bloom is off the rose for me, but Star Trek, mm, love it. But you know, also, if I'm allowed to interject my own, I prefer the television miniseries V from the oh, 80s. Wow. That's what I want to go with. That's my that actual cool. science fiction jam. Nice substitution. V. Yes. So I'm just going to dangle that over my mouth like a gerbil, chew it down, <laughs> and enjoy my I don't remember much chewing. I just remember going. A lot of swallowing. It's, yeah. it's more of a swallow. Yeah. Yes, God bless Diane. Okay. Yeah, that was not the uh, direction I thought that answer would go, but we'll move on. That was not on today's bingo card at that all. That was not on today's bingo card and because we are polytheistic here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. We have Game of Thrones, Wheel of Time, or Chronicles of Narnia, and that would be you, Ryan, first. Yeah, uh, uh, Chronicles of Narnia is the only one of those three that I've really connected to. I know. Uh, I, I'm not much of a reader of fantasy, which is weird because I was big into fantasy role-playing games. But yeah, no, of the three, Chronicles of Narnia, and just by default, really. And here's a chance where Eric can plug his own property. Saying, no, I would never do that. Never do that. <laughs> oh, if anything, on. I'll plug Ryan's property, the G.I. <laughs> Joe role-playing game. from Renegade. Okay, I, This is a place that's mine, but I appreciate the plug. Ryan is fully responsible for the entire project, and we're honored to have him here tonight. Um, no, uh, I, okay, so again, probably Game of Thrones. I like the 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 grittiness. I, I've only watched the show, but then the show got bad. So again, I, I find myself wanting a fourth option, a better option. So within the realm of science fiction, I'm going to go, or sorry, fantasy. I'm going to go Thundar the Barbarian. Uh, oh, Thundar awesome. the Barbarian yeah. is my science fantasy. Ride. Jam, why pick one or the other when you can have both just like G.I. Joe? Outstanding. All right. And just so you, uh, dear listener, I know you're as intrigued as I am. We are definitely going to have another episode in season four where we talk about the G.I. Joe RPG. And then we'll get Mr. Paizo back to just talk about all the cool stuff <laughs> we're doing. Because, I mean, we've done a lot of D&D stuff and it'd be rude not to do Paizo too. If you say so, be happy to be come back. <laughs> and there's lots of rude people on the internet. Yeah, there's lots of them. Uh, just don't tell my co-writer that I'm I'm talking to you guys. He might think I'm like cheating or something. Hmm. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. James Ward does not need to know we were talking to the competition. Oh, don't tell him. All right, all right, all right. I, we I don't think I don't think he'd really care though, would he? At this point, probably not. He just likes to make fun of me. I think you know that's <laughs> how I know fun. we get along because he mocks me relentlessly. <laughs> it's a sign of love. But yes. uh, all right, sir. The last one. This is gonna be a hard one for you, Ryan. Coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Oh, so for the longest time, I was just a tea guy. Like, I didn't even touch coffee. One time, I accidentally drank my wife's coffee thinking it was my, uh, like, hot strawberry smoothie from Dim Hortons, and I spit it out. Like, I, I just gagged. Oh. But some, in the last five years or so, suddenly I've become a coffee drinker, and uh, I think I still prefer tea. Uh, there's just, like, I, you could be in more tea moods than coffee. Coffee is really just, I want to pick me up, but tea... You know, oh, an upset stomach. There's a tea for that. Oh, I want to pick me up. There's a tea for that. You know, I'm social gathering. There's a tea for that. So I'm going with tea. You know, I don't want to murder someone. There's a coffee for that. 
I don't want to go to jail today. There's a coffee for that. I need it's the energy to murder someone. There is a coffee. There, for there's that. a coffee for that. You know, any of my murder emails, there's a coffee for. I want to deal with people. There's a coffee for that. No, that's alcohol, my friend. Well, there's alcohol in the coffee. Irish there's coffee. Coffee count. for that. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right, sir. All right. If you could if you could pull us back into the realm of family friendly, I don't know how, how close this panel will get, but mm. coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Uh let's see. It's hard to choose. Uh cannot function without a morning coffee or three. And yet there's nothing more <laughs> soothing than a fine cup of oolong or jasmine tea so you're asking me to pick an impossible path so instead i'm going to pick the path i've been picking all along the path of the iconoclast and i'm going to say (laughs) red wine is my choice and how do i take it tonight i'm taking it italian style montepulciano that's my answer having a little red wine to bring some class to this gi joe i'm here to bring it down my booze habit past the uh, rod gut stuff and cheap beer because that's yeah. what I drink in the army. So yeah. Nick has convinced me it's time to grow up and drink mature alcoholic beverages. So mm-hmm. we will be expanding our palate this uh, this coming season. That sounds like a great yes, episode. Sir. Or, yeah, a great series. Well, we had um, James Pittman on, and he thought we should do a, a, a wine and booze pairing for a different – was a whiskey <clears throat> Whiskey, wine, all of it. He wanted okay. all the things. Like what alcoholic beverage paired to what genre – uh, which would mostly be an excuse to watch everyone get drunk on camera, I'm sure. But Pretty much. It would be fun. Yeah. For science. Right? Well. For science. Yeah. Never For a good science. idea. Never <laughs> a good idea. We did it once and people still talk about it. And that was back in season one, episode two. Not that we're counting. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Let's get back to the G.I. Joe. So did anybody else have any more um, unique ways they found it? Or was it just kind of exposed to them in childhood and they went? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and I, mean, I took it. I took it too far. Yeah, well, I, all the ones that I collected were rangers, not knowing what a ranger was at the time. Yeah. What do I do? Join the army to become a ranger. It's a great recruiting yeah. propaganda tool for sure. It is. Oh, yeah. it say something real me. quick about the the appeal of the comic. Um, Larry Hama, the the main writer for the original run and subsequent runs, uh, talked at great length about how it was kind of a gateway drug to comics for a lot of kids that didn't read comics. Uh, they got in the comics by getting into GI Joe and they got into GI Joe because it was the very first comic book to be advertised on TV. Right. And it was the uh, a deal that they figured out real quick was that comic books, unlike toy lines are protected by the first amendment. So you could run a 30 second long animated TV commercial for your comic book when you were limited to like 10 seconds for a toy commercial uh, of like animation for that. And so I think the overexposure of the time, the length of the commercials is what got a lot of kids into it. And then of course the toys took off sales wise, but a lot of kids later said, yeah, man, I didn't read comics before I got into GI Joe and now I read all these comics, the other comics. So I'm just a comic book fan now. So yeah, I, I think they did a lot of cross platform advertising it was like one of the very first times that it ever happened i had comics before gi joe but i didn't collect comics before i started mm-hmm. reading gi joe mm-hmm. and you know and i've got a giant stack to prove it and they all have the same condition that a seven-year-old cares about for comics <laughs> so they're all garbage but you know. gi joe was my first comic book subscription yeah uh, that i had mailed to the right. house um 
I had bought comics all the time, but that was just whatever was on the rack in the grocery store that my parents would let me grab. Uh, but G.I. Joe, I had mailed to the house. I was like Nick. Whenever I could find comics on a spinner rack at a 7-Eleven at the grocery store at the time when they sold them on the magazines, I was pouring through them whatever I could find that looked cool at the time. And that was usually high on my priority list. So we have some some actual art uh, experts on the panel tonight. So is there a style of art that is iconic to G.I. Joe or is it just, you know, fitting in the general melee of uh, Mulei? How do you say that? I can see it in a book. I just can't pronounce it. Is it fit the general like tone of comics or does it have a special style? I'd say it has its, That's a, its own style. Hey, Hama worked really closely yeah. with his artists. Uh, in designing the comic, which I'm told, I don't know because I've never written, a co well, I've written comics, but I've never worked with artists on one. I've written scripts for comics, but I don't have the experience of working on a comic, but I'm told it's kind of unusual for a writer to work that closely with the artist on the layout of the book. Nick, can you? Oh yeah, we we freaking hate that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we hate Michael. Hate that. That. You're going to come over here. Okay, you're a writer. Get it. You wrote an amazing story. Now, most conversations I have with writers, it's, let it's me a do back my and job. forth of trying to. <laughs> well, yeah, first it's one, let me do my job. Yes. <laughs> you know, do, do you see the writer in a movie? Go tell the director here, here's how you're going to shoot this shot. He will throw that dude off set. Same goes in my office. I'm like, no, no, no. Just let me work my magic. And if you don't like it, then we'll have a dis discussion of what I missed. But usually I have those conversations well before I even put pencil to page. Yeah. Yeah. So How, in Larry Hamm's defense, yeah. he was a penciler before he was a writer. Right. And he realized yeah. that the writer he he's got the only paid one as much as him for a job that took him like an afternoon. He's the only one that gets and that it took him a whole no month. Else does. Yeah, he did breakdowns well, for this Todd entire McCarty. issue. Like every panel and every gets the same. Now, that's the silent issue, issue, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. most that's famous comic of the eighties, arguably. Yeah. I mean I don't have many Joe comics, but I got that one in my fireproof water. <laughs> so why is it box. the silent comic and what makes it special? And I'm going to put you no words, Eric. It, it, it was the first, show the comic, first okay? comic. They didn't even spell out sound Can you oh, show, can you show yeah, us? Yeah, sure, sure. Here we go. This is uh, G.I. Joe number 21, silent interlude, a uh, phrase that probably anyone who ever collected G.I. Joe could say off the top of their head. Um, and the whole thing is just there is no dialogue. It's just a... Rescue mission, Scarlet's been captured by Cobra, and uh, Snake Eyes has to go save her. So you've got your three best characters pretty much in the comic that this focuses on. And it's just this big choreographed fight scene, this, this spy stuff, kind of everything I loved as a kid. Uh, characters as chess piece action figures, that's a trope. I love that. And, uh, and basically... Uh, by the end of it, it has the coolest reveal probably of all time, which no one knew. This was not in the show or anything, and it's right there. It's like, look at this. There's Storm Shadow, and he's got the, the clan symbol on him. But oh, Snake Eyes has it, too. Oh, my God. There's a shared past between these two characters. <laughs> we did not know that up to that point. And that, that, that was, it still as a kid, reading it as it was coming out, that was mind blowing. Um, and that changed every, I mean, that was, that's probably many, many people's favorite comic of their childhood. Oh, yeah. That's what I liked about um, those comics is that they didn't talk down to you as a yeah. kid with those comics. They made an engaging story 
it's still entertaining now, but a lot of the comics at the time, you could tell they were specifically written for little kids. For this, for G.I. Joe, it was always like they were just, they wanted to tell a good story. And John would agree with me. That's probably one of the hardest types of comics to draw. It because is. Our job is to be able to tell a story visually. And you should, any comic book artist worth his salt is uh, going to be able to tell that tale visually without one caption, without anything. That's how you know you're good at your job. Mm-hmm. So, but even on as a writer, you have to be very specific. Not and well, see that that's a that's a slippery slope because if you get too too specific, I know, then words are hard, Marine. They are. You better stand at parade rest. <laughs> you stand at attention. You outrank you. Well, wait, wait, wait. The, the Marine artist do you like have the temptation to eat your color pencils and your crowns <clears throat> <laughs> i couldn't let that john play. is john is using the training dick acronym or training dick acronym sorry i gave away the punchline the <laughs> training acronym eat a dick because every time i tried to ask him what he's doing he just told me to eat a dick and it starts with an i for some reason Marines. <laughs> no He's talking about his friend Richard. They they used to go to school together, people. This is still family friendly. I'm gonna pull this back uh-huh. from the edge. Richard Cranium. Yeah, I've met him. He's a great guy. <laughs> My cousin Richard. Think, does anybody know the like the story behind the creation of the silent episode? Was that something they intended uh, to, to be groundbreaking? Like, what's the story on that? I want to see they Ryan and Michael arm wrestle for the first chance to explain. Ryan, you, you take this one. All right, so the comic was running late, and Larry Hama, in addition to being a penciler and an author, was also an editor, and so he was not going to let a comic go late. And so, um, if I remember, was there, the original uh, pages were lost in the post? Michael, do you remember that? Uh, or was it yeah, just there was, there was a screw-up by the post office, and the original pages were gone. He couldn't remember the dialogue, so... Thus, the word-free issue was born, basically. I still want to tell the same story, but no way I'm creating this dialogue again. We'll just do it visually. What a yeah, exactly. We don't have yet. time to do the penciling, or sorry, the, the lettering either. And so, like, to get this done on time, we will just take words. We will take all the dialogue out. Went to print, and a legend was born. And to be honest, I don't think that, it would have worked. It wouldn't be as impactful if it had. No. It, right, exactly. That, that issue, by the way, is number 44 on Wizards' list of the 100 best single issues since you were born. Wow. Uh, so Yeah, if you were born in the 40s. <laughs> Nine, not too far away from that. Well, then it moves down to, like, top 10. <laughs> you know. I think that's probably the most popular issue of G.I. Joe as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, was- I think so. Um, I mean, my favorite, that's my top number one favorite of all time. Uh, oh, issue yeah, six I- and seven. I it remember things a little differently. Ooh, a little, little differently. I mean, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, me and my friends at the time, uh, it was actually, that was cool. But the Snake Eyes origin was a much bigger oh, yeah. deal. Um, Serpentor being created was But Serpentor probably... was on the TV show first. He didn't show up in the comics until much later. Yeah. I never watched the TV show. I, I thought it was lame. <laughs> Shame. I Shame. I uh, Larry Hammer thought Serpentor was lame. So you yeah. guys are on similar. Well, yeah, that's probably why I killed him off so quick. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite panels <laughs> in the whole show. But does anybody remember issue number 86, though? You got to show me a couple. Don't flip through them, Mona. Let's I see, see you I over there. 
He's all prepped and ready. He's like, I got, I got all majors right here, dog. Which one was 86? No, I my memory. Five, 86, 86, the creation of Cobra Island? No, 86 no. is entitled Not Fade Away, which is a quote from Douglas MacArthur. Um, the tail end of a quote, old soldiers never die, they just fade away. And it's a reference. Uh, it's where the original G.I. Joe from 1966 uh, oh, shows yeah. up in the issue to help the Joes defend a military laser, cool. which was like full friggin' circle for me because I got cool. into Joe first with that 12-inch figure. And now here he is in the freaking comic. I'm Didn't like, Bruce Willis oh! play in the movie? Bruce Willis yeah. himself. Yeah. Don't Speaking even talk about those movies. Was, oh, my God. Those are terrible. No, we're not talking <laughs> about those tonight. in it. You'll have an aneurysm if we talk about those tonight, John. We're not doing that. No, no I, give him the aneurysm. I've, I've liked just about every version of the G.I. Joe, even some of the terrible cartoon versions. But after seeing how good Transformers was, I, I saw that they were going to be G.I. Joe. I got excited. And then as soon as I went to the theater to go watch it, I've never been that disappointed in my life. It's like you, you could tell that they didn't give a crap about the source material they just took the name and did what they wanted with it and then that farce is uh what they came up with which really kind of sucks when you think about this was a comic where the joes actually teamed up with the transformers at one point yeah that was mm -hmm. cool too they're doing that again mm -hmm. they do it every couple of years yeah it's uh, yeah yeah something to do i guess i hope it's not a long-term thing <laughs> calling it the Energon yeah. universe, so I think it is a long-term thing. Uh, <laughs> painful. I want purity in my well, you, childhood yeah, military I'm propaganda. continuation of his line if you want purely G.I. Joe, but if you want to see what Skybound's doing with the new universe, you're going to have to accept that there's going to be some Transformers in there. Um, yeah, well, I've, I've subscribed to the digital comics, so one way or another, I'm going to be reading it. Yeah, do you think, that goes, you know, we'll hold that question and we're going to play that uh, that commercial. Um, thank you, Apogee Comics, for sponsoring this. Um, I heard your CEO was really a big jerk, but uh, other than that, I mean, it's a great company. And we'll oh, get, yeah, the, the president yeah. and CEO, he's a total a hole. I've heard that, I know because uh, he's me. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Nick. It's his fault, even though I hit the button. Dude, that was my minute. to get him to do that voiceover for that. So those of you that listened at home, 
Uh, and you did just heard music. We, we really are sorry, but there was lots of pretty pictures from Nick's comics. And you should totally go uh, look at this episode on the YouTube. Yeah. The shoots the if, you, if you buy that issue, it was uh, kicked. The, the title of that issue, or at least that started that arc, um, was going to be uh, Cool Sam Luke or Cool Hand Sam. We were kicking around because I had this idea. I'm like, okay, human, alien, space prison. They're not liked. Um, and I want, and I just got done watching Cool Hand Luke. So I was like, writer, make this. He's like, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, here's some money. Make that better. <laughs> okay. So uh, when we list this episode, I will link to the interview we did with Nick specifically about this comic. Um, and uh, that way, if you have questions and you didn't watch that episode, you can go check it out. Uh, all right, Nick, I'll let me throw you on the, the big screen. You could be the solo layout this time. Yay. Yay. So that's the episode. Yay. You can check it out. And we'll link to the episode where he talks all about it. But uh, let's get back to the discussion of G.I. Joe comics. Do you think when they were creating these comics that they knew it would be a propaganda funnel into the U.S. military, the military industrial complex? No. Their their yeah. job was to sell toys. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That was their job. That was the whole reason the comic was created to start with. Well, I think they have a approach in the military. military. Okay. Was, I think Larry Hamill was, was in Vietnam, so I think it had to at least cross his mind. Well, Hamill at the time, before Hasbro approached Marvel, he was working on a similar concept that was very Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. oriented. Um, I had the name of it written down. Fury Force. Huh? Fury Force. Yeah, Fury Force. That that was, it was going to be figures out of that. Uh, it was gonna Nick Fury was gonna name. be involved kind of tangentially, but um, then he got tapped for the GI Joe project. He said, which was fine with him because he wasn't writing anything else at the time, and uh, he might as well write that. And uh, so he, uh, it was Marvel that came up with the idea uh, for Cobra to be a reoccurring enemy because up until that point, Hasbro didn't even have an enemy in mind. They just had the original thirteen Joes planned as action figures, and that was it. And they said, well, we, we got this idea of this reoccurring enemy called Cobra. They're a terrorist organization. It's like, oh, cool. We can make some cool toys based on that. And it was off and running. Very cynical, but maybe tr possibly true. <laughs> uh, the comic was oftentimes very much guided by the toys. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, every they came out with a new toy line, they had to start a new storyline in the comic that featured mm -hmm. those toys. Or did the comics inspire the game. toys? Was it the other way around? Which came first? The, the toys. It one hundred percent. The toys are the, the source toys material. The toys and well, adapted in the comics. Well, Larry Hammer wrote most of the file cards as well, so there's this shared right. lineage between all of the projects. That yeah, but, I mean, toys first for sure. Yeah. Like everything else is to, to sell toys. Like, but then Hasbro took those file cards of his and put them on the backs of the toys, and the sales guys would use those as selling points to the retail chains. And how many of us collected? Those stupid file cards. We would cut up the package. Oh yeah, I'm bigger game, and I had a little box I could flip through. You know, like, yeah. I, here's your stalkers. Your name is. Linda. And some of those and sent out. Yeah, the, you, you didn't a throw wrong those away. Absolutely not. They some also file cards. filled with oh. all kinds of real life military jargon and real life military bases, and that that was a source of huge curiosity for me as a kid. All these weird acronyms in the sidebars of the comics and stuff. And I I wonder for you guys who 
actually then went into the military. Was there an element? Did that help stoke your interest in kind of the... Oh, like I said, I was disappointed in a lot of those file cards when I revisited them later on in life. I'm like, here you had some of these guys that were like super badass Ultra Commandos, E2. Yeah. Yeah. You were a private asshole. No. (laughs) And like most of these guys that I looked up to, they were no higher than a specialist. Right. Like uh, all very, Dusty, very Vietnam era stuff, mafia right? for life, baby. Yeah, I I like Cam uh, Shield. I like Dusty as a kid, and I'm like he. I don't think he ever got over E4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the the world's oldest corporal. Yeah, <laughs> I know. In the world, man. <laughs> I I, I liked what the role playing game actually had to say about rank. How how their actual rank didn't necessarily match with their position within the Joes. Well, that's for sure. Yeah, that it's you know the the specialist is put in charge regardless of rank, and that once you get into the Joes, you're no longer a rank. And that was mostly just to just hand wave how inconsistent and nonsensical the ranks were. Duke especially is often portrayed as the leader, but he's a first sergeant. Like, yeah, he's only an E seven. Yeah, no. it doesn't make any sense. I don't like. It feels like they got so much right, and yet those ranks were just all maybe over the place. maybe as a mail away figure, Duke got a shittier writer to do the uh, the card. He didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. So we're yeah. using terms that people who don't know GI Joe, <laughs> who haven't seen the toys, might not know. When you say the card for people that are coming at this, this is their exposure. What are you talking about? Okay. So hold on. when, when Hama was originally creating the, the, the characters to go along with the names he was given for the original 13. That's right here. Yeah. Those right there. He made some file cards that look a lot like this without the artwork. Uh, um, maybe they eventually had the artwork too, but he would do a little write-up for every character on the back. And eventually Hasbro realized he had those and they said, Oh, those will be really cool to put on the back of the packaging. And thus another legend was born much yeah, like issue huge. 21. Uh, it was just something Hama was using to keep his character straight. Uh, and, uh, they took it and ran with it and it became a huge marketing tool. It implied this. Hama calls it the dossier. Really. Most of the fans call them file cards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So back to to the comics. You you definitely you know you're you're very much a good capitalist, and you think the toys and the merchandising came first, and the story, and the uh, the comics came second. Um, you asked if the exposure, what we saw in the military stuff, matched what we experienced. Um, I almost think, given that the age of all of us here in the GI Joe had been around for a little bit already, I think by the time we all served, the military culture was affected somewhat by the GI Joes too. I mean, that knowing is half the battle was a common military thing, and then of course the the infantry like to say, and the other half is violence. That's um, right. That kind of stuff was influenced strongly by a generation of people that grew up reading these stories. I, I don't think that was the intent of the creator, though. No, it was. No. I don't think so either. But my son has a shirt that we bought him. He's the one at Fort Leonard Wood right now. He's got a T-shirt that's got G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. The rest involves high explosives. And, uh, is he a combat engineer? I would agree with that. So what? Is he a combat engineer? No, no. He's gonna. You, you know he's going to be an MP, and you guys give me crap about it every time. You know what? I wanted to make you admit it again. <laughs> so he likes you're welcome for my cervix <laughs> <laughs> all right john you said something too i'm sorry you you so you likes eating military donuts yeah <laughs> anyway we'll move back to the Moving comments on. I, I do think that uh, by the time all of us would have served 
Uh, I would say that the GI Joe affected the military more than, than the other way around because the culture had seeped into us as kids when we served, at least from my experience as a ser- soldier during the GWAT era, the Global War on Terror era. Terror mm-hmm. era. Um, it was definitely, I mean, th- th- some of the one-liners from the shows and the comics were definitely bandied about by the devotees. Yeah, I've used the catch. I used the catchphrase at the end quite a bit in Iraq, you know, and knowing's half the battle, you know. Uh, quite a and few then, AARs ended that way. Yeah. Everyone groans. Yeah. Rock and roll, the character, was the main reason I wanted to be a 60 gunner. So, yeah. Cool. No, that was and then you realize how shitty the 60 is. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> I would be a 240 gunner, which would be a lot yeah. better. But. I, I did kill a Bradley with one in Honefells once, though. Nice. Wow. That was actually like one of my favorite memories of uh, of my time overseas with the guys was we were on the training range right before we crossed the berm into Iraq. And my gunner was like, hey, if you had to join, would you join G.I. Joe or Cobra? As we're like going Cobra. in our 50s, <laughs> like blowing the targets up at the at the driving range before we went, went to war. He was like, if you would jo-, like that was the funniest because, of course, everyone had opinions and you know, you've got to justify your opinions. It was G.I. <laughs> Joe inspired one of my favorite memories of some of the people that didn't make it home. How are so people was, justifying uh, joining Cobra? Yeah, they're a ruthless they're terrorist like organization <laughs> determined to rule the world. They had the coolest stuff. That's true. Healthcare. They had the coolest stuff. Yeah, they had awesome. the, um, the Joes had cool stuff, and only like five dudes had masks. And like at that age where I was introduced masks. to G.I. Joe, the masks were the cool things because yeah. I started in superheroes and ended yeah. up loving G.I. Joe. Yeah, the mask. So the guys that had masks like Shockwave, Beachhead, Destro, um, Snake was Eyes. Was De- well, Destro's Des- Destro's it a mask. Really, it was a mask. It was very fluid in its movement when he talked. <laughs> Chrome Dome. Chrome Dome. But you know, those guys had masks, but Cobra, like everybody was covered. You know, okay, yeah, to the point where guys. when you see a Cobra guy's face, for me, it's kind of like meh. Ah, uh, come on! Yeah. He looks like Esther an account. So Put the mask up. I don't need Put to see. Yeah, unless he okay. looks like Fred, I don't need the to Crimson see. Crimson Guard yeah, had the let's best. Let's forget about the mask for one second, okay? Crimson let's, Guard. Let's did, remember yes. that Cobra Commander himself will come and shoot you in the head if he's bored. You, you want to yes. join up with this guy? But they had health care, and they had. I was like, nine, like, dude. <laughs> and they also they had they had spa uh, too. They had health care. They had the R and R facility where they would go and swimming pools, all the cool stuff. It looked like they were eating well. <laughs> Dude, they they had great healthcare. They had a four hundred one k. They had Regular profit sharing. You know, they got Health paid insurance. on time. That's already better than the United States government. I there's been times where I have not been paid in my, my military and in the, uh, law enforcement career. My first three months <laughs> in Iraq, I was doing it for free because they forgot to pay me. Yeah. That wouldn't happen to Cobra. I feel like much one month. I'm listening in and like the Cobra lunchroom at the terror. Cobra Commander will come shoot you when he's bored, but yeah, man, that Arbco insurance is rocking out great. Profit sharing for Arbco, it's on the stock market now. See what it went up. All I got is in the arm. My family are all melting synthoids, but it's working. It's fine. I don't like her anyway. My kids were annoying. Darren, you were gonna say something. All I gotta say is this: at one point in one issue, Cobra Commander rounds up Zartan, his son Billy, Dr. Mindbender. Um, Firefly was he part of it? Firefly was in there. Firefly's in there, and I want to say there. And Raptor was in there. Yeah, he he rounds them up and he yeah. sends them off to their death. 
because uh, I guess he was because maybe... Larry Hama thought they were lame, Darren. They were all lame characters. <laughs> but, but, they were all the lame characters. Well, and Firefly, who escaped and lived. Ended, well, Actually, Firefly is the only non lame one there. Oh, yeah, so exactly. I will say, he had a mask. Billy right. was his own creation. Nick. Billy was Hama's own creation. Um, yes, Joe. We are going to give you one um, redeeming quality for the G.I. Joes. Chuckles had the Hawaiian shirt, very Magnum P.I. I was digging it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. CIA. I, I got it. Yeah. That, and, oddly I enough, should go see for still, Halloween some year. I could right, Some of the three-letter agencies I encountered in my warfighting travels looked almost like that. <laughs> it would have the, the leather shoulder pistol rig, you know. And they would wear some sort of funky ass shirt with tan pants, and they were like chewing bubble gum all the time. Some of them tried to be funny, but we couldn't trust those three letter a holes because they're about to send me on something that's probably going to get me freaking killed. Yeah, do we think the other Joes like Chuckles or not? Oh, nobody likes Chuckles. No. Yeah, I, don't I know. like. There's a little change though. Chuckles didn't even know whose team he was on most of the time. <laughs> oh yeah, because he was deep cover, deep cover CIA operative. He was forgetting. Stabby, you want to hear a funny? My my grandfather, the the World War II veteran, when we were watching and he'd watch a couple with me, and I chuckles was on and he acted all forgetful, and he goes, "He's not a spy, he's a drunkard." <laughs> so that was like a plus eight on chuckles. Oh man, I hope nobody mistakes me for chuckles. Yeah, <laughs> that's your new nickname. Chuckles, yes. I like it. So, Jay did you guys? Uh, so we've talked a lot and we've wandered far afield and we've talked over each other because we're all passionate. Uh, I invited too many people because some people normally back out at the last minute. You are so <laughs> devoted. You all showed up. So with that being said, the next question that we have to, to consider, where do you think the lines of difference are between what showed in the cartoon and what showed in the comics and which did you prefer? Comics. Yeah, but yeah, where are the differences in the various characters in the storyline? show was so gay. Oh, God. Little lasers and color-coded lasers. And I was just like, ah. Nobody yeah. died except is for it, the is gay it, is it really right to criticize something as gay in a toy line where half the dudes have, like, necklines plunging down to their belly button? And yeah, but that was all manly. Taco meat shirtless? This is was, such a... I mean, no, that I'm was sorry, manly. But... I mean, that Sergeant Slaughter. Right. That's manly. You're right. That's a fine line. Is all right. <laughs> Sergeant hey, Slaughter was manly. Fine it's, line. The age, it's the age of Magnum P.I., all right? That's so... true. There's a lot more body <laughs> hair. That was the epitome of manliness. Daisy yeah, Dukes chest. and chest hair. It's one of my biggest aggravations about making custom G.I. Joes out of modern parts from like Marauder and these other companies is that the men, their shirts are always buttoned up to that. They, they don't show enough <laughs> chest. They can't have an authentic model. So what costume. you're saying is you haven't made a gung ho action figure yet. No, actually gung ho, okay. not to go on a tangent, <laughs> but of the modern action figures, gung ho is one of like 10 that I think they actually nailed 100% perfect mm -hmm. for the 50th anniversary. So yeah, I saw, I saw one in Walmart the other day and I was just like, that. that's actually pretty good. I couldn't so the, justify the $30 price tag, but it did look pretty cool. So I'm talking about the, the 50th anniversary, not the classified, just to be just to be clear. So, so Nick and I... To be clear! I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression. When we announced that we were a veteran podcast and we did the hashtag veteran on our first episode, Sergeant Slaughter followed us, and he still follows us. Nice. Nothing like a veteran podcast followed by a fake veteran. Hey! It's Sergeant, Sergeant Slaughter, Slaughter, Eric! <laughs> 
sorry. He's sorry. a pretend veteran. <laughs> sorry, pretend. I shouldn't it's say It's not stolen valor. He's an actor. <laughs> That's it's true. Almost. So when I, on Veterans Day, I say, uh, I'm almost thankful for your service. <laughs> I like that. My, my other favorite is, I would have served, but I would have punched my drill sergeant. But that's oh not Sergeant Slaughter. You know why? Because I bet he really could. I thought I that, that was for a second in AIT, and the drill sergeant heard my thoughts, and he thrashed the hell out of me. <laughs> like, would you say Garber? I'm like, I didn't say nothing. He's like, I heard your thoughts. And I'm like, oh. And, and then I was in the front lane rest and flutter click position so, for like an hour. <laughs> Are there any characters in the comics that didn't make it onto the TV? That's oh, a good yeah. question because one of my favorite side characters was Quinn. And I don't know if he ever made it onto the cartoon. No, no Quinn's never been animated. No, Dr. Venom. Maybe in a commercial for a Quinn comic. Yeah, no uh, Dr. Venom, no Billy. The fact that the October Guard jumped from the comics to the cartoon was rare and yeah. strange, oh, yeah. especially because some of them were dead on the exact same design and then some of them were completely made up new designs. I like Big Ben. It's no, not even the same story without Ben's Billy. Yeah, figure. What's that? Uh, you're saying uh, Nick's saying he likes Big Ben. It's like I think I had his figure. Big yeah. Ben came with the grenade pouch. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't he one of Sergeant Slaughter's team that he had for a little while. No, he wasn't one of the Marauders. He uh, like he showed up in the yeah. second animated series, but maybe that's where I was getting it from. Are you thinking of Mercer? Maybe because I know oh, he had a team of like one the guy, former was... Viper. A bald guy. He was my favorite beard. to play with when he yeah, came You're thinking out. of the, the Renegades, the three yeah. guys who yeah, followed that's what I'm thinking Slaughter of. before Slaughter's Marauders. I had Red so Dog. Figures. I can't keep, keep them all straight right now. Red Dog, Mercer, and the guy whose name starts with the Taurus. Taurus, there you go. Yeah. More of those three, Mercer was my favorite. Can you name the original 13 Joe? Sure. Oh, can anybody? Is that um, sure? No. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan and I could do it, I know for sure. <laughs> do you really want us to try? Yeah, Eric, yeah. you can go first. Yeah, I mean, All right, I, I let's see. Flash, Grand Slam, Grunt, Hawk. Are you going in alphabetical order? No. Snake Eyes, Scarlet, uh, mm. Short Fuse, um, Zap. Uh, who am I forgetting? I could look at my customs if I turn my head to the left, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I said Flash. I said uh, Stalker. Stalker was one of them, yeah. Yep. Rock and roll. There's yep. another S name that you're Yeah, missing. the old rock and roll. He was um, wearing all green. Yeah, old rock and roll, but also yeah, rock and roll. Two guys, or no, three that you're missing. I was missing more vehicle there. drivers. Oh, yeah. Okay, clutch. clutch. Yeah. Um, clutch. Uh, uh, the Mobat driver, whose name. Yeah, from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know. His stealer, of course. Yep. And. One more bearded there. guy. Well, technically bearded guy. Here, Breaker. Breaker. Nope. There you go. Breaker. Did he say Zap? Yeah. Yeah, he said okay. Zap. Yeah. Okay. I thought Here, here's my version. I've too. got the giant oversized treasury edition of the number size one. size of that thing. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I was showing the original. Hold on. I was showing the original G.I. Joe's for people. So if yeah. you look at the screen, you can see it. Now that we've shown that, um, who had the original? I some... did. Look at this guy. Hold on. Let the Marvel treasury edition, giant oversized this is oh, the yeah. best. That is, that's Look at this. For each size book. The pit. Yeah, cool. Yes. The Geo Joe Command Center. Pretty rad. Yeah, because there's like two little farmhouses and an antenna above ground. <laughs> like, oh, that's completely. I like that the base was hidden beneath a chaplain's assistant school. 
So you could always just go upstairs for some old time religion if you need it. Chaplain assistant is the only guy that can deal death on the battlefield connected to a chaplain. <laughs> That's true. And they give zero Fs. Like, we got no firefight. We hid the chaplain because God, bring God to this, don't die, put you in a Humvee. And then we got into a scrap, and this dude was an animal. You would have wow. thought he was like JLG 20 classified Delta Force Navy SEAL Dev Grew Marine Raider. This guy was just, ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, calm down. You're one with the Lord, dude. You're sinning right now, bro. You're sinning. <laughs> they had to make a G.I. Joe figure of that guy. <laughs> what would his code name be? What's Let's a good code name for a G.I. Joe chaplain's assistant? Padre. Acolyte. Chuckles? Padre, I like Acolyte. Padre. Yeah. Padre, Padre would work. Padre is pretty good. You're making the custom Joes here. I know. You I can make go that happen, it. John? You should. Yes. I got to find a head with a tonsure. Nick and I are going to make that happen. Wait, did, did they ever make mash action figures? Go steal a Father Mulcahy. <laughs> I think they did yeah. make mash yeah, action I think figures. Mika. I know they did. Uh, yeah. What is it? Neca? Neca? Yeah, like... Um, Neca made them. Yeah. Neca. Neca. Neca makes everything, though. I'm, I'm sure there's a Nick Garber sitting on his couch figure. No, I mean vintage. There was, I think, vintage Yeah, I think Migo action. did when they were just getting any license they yeah, could. Yeah, Migo. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Guess want to do mash? I'm like, can I get Hawkeye? I want Hawkeye. How about Klinger? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. all the Barbie objects. If I had those two figures, I would have Hawkeye <laughs> holding Klinger like a like he's carrying her over the. Like he's carrying around with like a threshold. loving look between them. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a good way to so, go. Yeah, let's do that. It's twenty twenty three. Anything's possible. Yeah. Snake Eyes can do drag, so can Klinger. No, Snake Eyes was dressed like Boy George. That's not oh, that's what, drag. well. I mean, it's pretty close. It's still drag. <laughs> it's androgynous. <laughs> drag and Jason. Adjacent. Yeah. It's drag adjacent. It's more androgynous, more 80s pop star, but whatever. We won't split hairs here. Even the dogs. <laughs> yeah, he put on makeup and he rocked that shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I know some of you have worked in the G.I. Joe property, but uh, so you're, you don't get to answer this one. But for everyone else who hasn't, if they offered you a chance to write the script or draw a G.I. Joe comic book, would you take it? In a near stupid question. <laughs> Slap yourself, JR. That is a dumb question amongst writers and artists. Hell yeah, yeah we want to that. Of course. We want to shot the title, boys. Of course. We shot at the title. I was actually working on a story when it was in the Kindle Shared Worlds for, for G.I. Joe. Oh, nice. Yep. That was a weird jerks. Is that, <laughs> is, that, that is the drawbridge to that fully closed at this point? The, is that yeah, Kindle I Worlds even exist? The G.I. Joe license is done, and I think the whole Kindle They're Worlds thing is closed. What a weird moment in time. Yeah. Kindle yeah. Worlds has been done for quite a while. Okay. Mm. I just turned it into a short story in a generic world and sold it. Nice. Who holds a, who holds I like that idea so much. I've been wanting to try to do my own version of G.I. Joe with, with my comics. Really? Okay. Yeah. I haven't gotten far with the idea yet, but I want to. So would you keep it as campy as it was originally, or would you turn the G.I. Joe concept into something grittier? I would give children nightmares. I love it. <laughs> I, I would find a happy medium between nightmares and and then I don't do camp. Well, so it, well, it I only say that because I would use my own experiences in combat. Yeah, as as the stories and shit as a grown man going through it, I was pretty freaking scared. So I can only imagine a child in that same situation going, "Why am I reading this? You know, I'm getting PTSD, and that's not my intent." <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, you all think would children still read comic books? Yeah, that's cute. I know they that. do. Mine does. Yeah. 
Homeward G.I. Joe. Not like the children of comic book readers read comic books. Yeah. Because it's the easiest way. I taught my kids how to read using comic books. Me too. You know, that's the easiest way because there's more. What they say? There's. I, I use the higher words in comic books and children's comic books than they are in actually children's books. So, I went. I went at it from a uh, an interest perspective. They were interested in what Spider Man or Aquaman or whoever was doing. So that's how I used. Really, Aquaman. Well, it, whatever came to mind. <laughs> Not Aquaman. Talks to fish. It was a nice. comic book. Or whatever. I, but uh, I'm I'm kidding, John. I love Aquaman. Uh, but either way, I use comic books as a way to help teach my kids how to read because they were interested in whatever superhero was in it. They they use that as a way to get. In a gateway into getting them to read more was by yeah. making it interesting for them. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. Hey, so I'd but, actually answer no to that question. I would not want to write for the comic because I don't think I could do any better than Larry, ha Larry Hama is doing. Um, if somebody were to offer me hint, hint, um, <laughs> something on the RPG, I would spring for that in a New York minute. What about Sergeant Rock? Do you think you could write a good Sergeant Rock? I would take a G.I. Joe perspective with Sergeant Rock. <laughs> Just you, because I know that'd be the closest I'd get. Did any of you guys have the Sergeant Rock action figures in the 80s? Mm -mm. They were uh, kind of not. like... At the comics. A half step between Kenner, five point of articulation, and, and a real American hero. They were okay. They had like, like bendable knees, knees, but not bendable arms. Like they were not. That's what I was about to ask. I'm like, did they just have uh, the bendable knees and maybe they could yeah. turn a little? Yeah. Nah, turning is asking a lot. They could turn their heads. Uh, <laughs> and there was like five team. molds, uh, you know, stretched across like 11 characters. Sort of like the first well. G.I. Joe's actually. So as he answers, I'm going to throw off the, uh, the pit, not throw up. I am going to put the picture of Chuckles up for those of you who don't know. There you go. There he is. He's, Big he ass machete like strapped to his leg. Yeah, he could like you're could doing jungle game. warfare in that outfit. How did he go undercover? The whole that? like first <laughs> six years of GI Joe is so Vietnam focused. Just with well, that's why I think it mind. was because Larry Hamill was in yeah. Vietnam. Yeah. One well, Rambo, still, like Rambo, receiving Chuck Norris uh, mission. Uh, what was the Braddock uh, mission? Miss, was, uh, missing in action. Missing in action. It still holds up, sort of. Sort of. It's got James Wan. Second one does. <clears throat> okay so um you said no what about you lavoice if someone offered you a chance to write a script for a gi joe comic are you taking it oh yeah absolutely i used to i used to do my own adventures with all my action figures all the time anyway oh, so yeah. i was just that was just another segue into wanting to be a writer when i grew up I was like oh dude i could write comics better than they can you know every kid you know thinks that at some point i'm sure nick was like i can draw better than these guys when he was a kid right would it be? Uh, uh, I said eventually I'll be able to draw better than these guys, and Jim Lee keeps getting better as I keep getting better. So there's this dude's lapped me so many times. I'm like, I'm just gonna be Nick. I mean, do we need to like time. break um some some fingers so he has time to recover and you can catch up? You have to break his whole goddamn arm. <laughs> okay. So yeah, uh, I, I know I know a little jujitsu for like 20 years, and then yeah. I'll catch up, and then so, and he so, can. Michael, if you were doing it, would you? <laughs> I saw that, Savvy. If you were, if you were writing a script, would you go gritty, campy, somewhere in the middle? I would go somewhere in the middle. I, in my own writing, there's a lot of violence, um, but there's also a lot of humor, like particularly gallows humor. 
which military guys, that's what we get. We, we understand yep. it because mm-hmm. you have to laugh at the situation you're in or you will go crazy. Uh, and so I would, I would, it would probably be something more along the lines of a less tech oriented um, galaxy's edge kind of a feel to it. If I had to be honest, that's probably the direction I would go in. Okay. All right. So when you guys um, that are, that did the GI Joe RPG, if they gave you the chance to do the comics too, would you take it? I think I'm the only one on here that's done the GI Joe RPG. I thought, I, so yeah, Ryan, it. that question is directed to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would write a GI Joe comic. I would write on a GI Joe TV series, a GI Joe movie, any GI Joe writing you give me, I have some plans for somewhere in the back of my head. Okay. And uh, we the same question I ask everyone else. Or do you think you would go gritty or would you go campy or somewhere in the middle? I would go very ensemble cast, very character focused and really put it in the point of view of the Joes that are going on their missions or flip it and do like just here's a pack of Cobra Vipers. We get to know them, send them out, and then they get decimated by the Joes at the end of the issue. Like just something to really put uh, like a pulse on the characters in the comic. Okay. And uh, since I thought you had done the RPG, I didn't ask you at first. But Eric, uh, would you do that? Would you do the comic? And would it oh, be? Oh yeah, of course. Gritty or campy or in between? Uh, somewhere in between. I think that that there's plenty of people in this chat who could bring the verisimilitude a lot more easily than I could. So I would probably lean a little bit into like the Tomax and Zamot, the the Dreadnoks, the kind of just kind of not super science fiction, but the kind of not so realistic elements of the property. I think there's a lot of fun to be had there. So that's probably the hooligans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the mad science, just kind of pushing the edge a little bit into the implausible. Sir, I am your man for this. Nice. I think the only problem I would have though, is deciding which characters to use. Well, that, that is I, a I, challenge, but I mean, that's like asking people to cast their, their, their X-Men or their Avengers. It's yeah, like, I, I can I all do, I can do it. It's so fun, you know. I'd it's have like, to be like, all right, tell me who you want me to work with, and then I can build something around that. Oh, it's too hard, they're saying. Yeah, to make those I, I can't. Like, I can't I, do it. I, I can't I can't decide on who, because I, w- I would have such a field day with the entire property, I wouldn't be able to focus on what specific ones they, uh, unless you tell me, hey, Bob, Fred, George, and this guy here, and then I could build off of that, but I wouldn't be able to because, like, with a what was it, the GI Joe Resolute? I loved it because yeah. they even they had at least cameos of almost all my favorite GI Joes. Bazooka got a great cameo. Yeah, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to say, hey, I I want to use these these five guys, but. It'd be, I'd have a field day. What if someone just like shook up a box of action figures and dumped five random ones on the table? Is that good? That's a win for that me. That could be right? awesome, actually. Or, or here's an idea it's more um, of a challenge. Take, take a page from the issue they did called Triptychs, um, which is where you've got several different theaters going on at the same time. That way you can use all the Joes that you like, there just you put go. them in different places. There you go. Okay. So, um, We've covered a lot. Is there anything about the comics? Because I know Michael like read everything on the lore catalog that he could, so he could like spout it out. Like, actually, on page twelve of episode three, <laughs> I didn't get that um, detailed. 
Stop it. Don't mock him. Don't mock his nerdiness. No, no, I'm down for it. That's is there anything about the comics that, as someone who's not read them, um, that, that you think people who haven't read them should know? Speak yeah. to someone who's like me, who watched the cartoons and played with the characters but didn't read the comics. Actually, one of the things, well, one of the other cool things about the the, the comics was that Hamill later on went on to say that moms who watched the cartoon show with their kids got interested in the characters and the ongoing storylines and started reading the comics. So you had full-grown women reading G.I. Joe comics, getting caught up in the storylines. I don't know if it was specifically Scarlet and Snake Eyes, but I have to think that factored in somewhere. Uh, but at the same time, um, the storylines were really, uh, they, they threaded together so greatly but the really funny thing was Hama admitted over and over again, I never had any idea how an issue was going to end until I got to the end. <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. like, how do you do that? I I'm not a pantser. I'm a plotter. And I don't know how he did that. The only interaction my mother had with me and my comic book reading is that I smarted up once while I was reading one. She pulled the comic book out of my hand and slapped me with it. <laughs> <laughs> do we know, did uh, Larry Hama use the Marvel method when he was writing G.I. Joe? Plot the page? I don't think so. He was doing full think, scripts? He was doing full script, yeah. And was he providing from, breakdowns from for more than just 21 or just... Is that a regular thing? I know he was writing that? a lot of breakdowns for the artist because you guys mentioned earlier that he was very involved with the artist. Um, that I did know. It's probably one of the first interactions other than Todd McFarlane where uh, having that much interaction with his artist. So, um, yeah, except they, they, they ditched Todd for issue 61. <laughs> yeah. That is such a good story. They printed issue 61. And they, yeah, it's the final issue. <laughs> yeah. I, that's one and issue they, I don't have, the reprint of 61. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I think Greg Capullo took over after that for a while, and I think currently it's uh, yeah, Capullo had it for a long time. Uh, Carlos, what the hell is his name? I mean, if Carlo you want to see him, yojo.com has a cover library that has every single cover, uh, and a synopsis of every story. So, this yeah. is not the Todd McFarlane version, no. yeah. Um, but the uh, Todd McFarlane art. But it is a. Uh, it, it is kind of a classic to a story arc in the comic. It's pretty rad. Yeah, but that's like Larry Hamill likes torturing those three characters specifically. <laughs> there's another right. one oh, yeah. where the, like something really Stalker's bad happens there. to the three of them. Yeah, it's yeah. Quick Kick, Snow Drum, and Stalker. Yeah. It's tough to be a ginger in the GI Joe universe. Take note, John. No, it's okay to laugh. Me and John are good friends. There it was. Yes. The G.I. Joe special I, I, I am ginger, so. was released in 1995 with the McFarlane art. That's okay. that. I knew I had that down here somewhere. Yeah, sometime in the late 80s, one of Tom McFarlane's first professional jobs was doing the entire art for issue 61, and they scrapped the whole thing, and they had the whole thing redrawn. And I don't know why. The Tom McFarlane pages are fine, and they, they reprinted it, or they finally published it, later when Todd McFarlane was catching on and just before they lost the G.I. Joe license. But there's like, it's total radio silence about why that decision was made. I've never heard any insight. I could decision. speculate. Go on. Well, because I would assume that the issues would have to not only be done in Marvel, but have an approvals process at Hasbro. And it okay. may be that because Todd McFarlane's style, even though now you'd look at it and it's not what 
you know, that issue. Totally different. Very protean version of Todd McFarlane style. It was still stylized enough that it stood out enough from the Marvel House style that I wonder if Hasbro put the kibosh on it. Well, he, Having been a licensor, that like is that. one very possible uh, story is it's got to get through the licensor. And if they don't like it, then it's done. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And very few things would force a publisher who's already sunk the time and money and development into that. That's an investment. And why would they pull that out unless it was out of their control? So that's my, I just came up with that, but that is my theory. That makes sense to me. And it also it's makes sense theory. why no one's pointed fingers to anybody exactly. even in whispers. Yeah, exactly. right. yeah that, there is a strange silence about that. And that would explain why. But I don't know. Oh. Somebody was like, this McFarlane guy, he'll never come to anything. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to admit they were that guy. It's weird though, because I have some of McFarlane's old DC stuff. It looks nothing like what made him popular with uh, Spider Man. Life fields look the same on his DC stuff with Hawk and Dove. I'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing Long some of his old Hawk and ass. Dove. Good old. I've told that to hit. I've told that to his face. So <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, but I'm here, and you're on the other side of the table." I'm like, "You got me there, Rob. Got me there. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right, I can here. draw feet. <laughs> now I gotta ask because I don't have it in front of me and I don't remember exactly when they were in the last like 15 issues of the original Marvel run, and they tried to kind of reinvent the thing a little bit. Was that when McFarland was in there, or was that just? No, that was way before. And okay. uh, how do you mean by they were trying to reinvent the comic? I know they were trying to reestablish um, the Cobra, like high command. It's snake eyes featuring GI Joe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It they the art got better in those last like fifteen issues. The art got quite a bit better than the regular. Better is the word you're going stuff. for. Okay, different. Sure. They, yeah. made, they made Snake Eyes look like a freaking alien. Um, <laughs> uh, Scarlet had all like this crazy red hair that went all over the place, uh, but it looked uh, it did look more stylized and more um, extreme. Extreme. That's a good word for it. Yeah. Extreme. Like, like they were trying to um, get uh, grow their audience again. And I saw them do the same thing with Conan when it was towards the end, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I was just kind of wondering if, if that was McFarland or, or, or who they brought in to do that. Brian, Brian I don't know what's going on with your sound. Oh, sorry. I was saying <laughs> McFarland was nobody at the time. They brought him in in the middle of the 80s. Were you guys reading the comic when all of a sudden one day it seemed like Larry Hama got a memo that it was okay for him to start killing heroic characters? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's like 17 characters yep. just mulched in like... I think it's more like seven. But yeah. it, I don't remember. I, just, <laughs> I remember Doc got killed and I was always sad about that. It felt I, like I love Doc. Doc was like one of my favorite... Yeah, he's cool. that, that issue where he took on Horror Show from the October Guard and just wiped the friggin' deck with him. Because like he that. was an Aikido master. Oh, no, that was I Lifeline. love that issue. Yeah, that was are we using Doc and Lifeline like, here. Yeah. Perhaps? The other guy, the other medic with the green. The other the medic who's also a pacifist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think one of the first G.I. Joe's I remember reading, it was coverless when I got it, but part of it was Dusty had to carry this other Joe's body mm -hmm. through this, I guess, Middle Eastern town. Yeah, and the whole story is about how he's carrying his body through it, 
and how he's kind of returned, I think, the body to his his mom, I want to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Was I'm like, damn, I'm a kid. What, sneak what peek, the yeah. hell, man? He could have just dumped sneak peek right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember who the, who the person care. was that died, but that's the, the sneak first peek. Yeah, yeah, sneak peek died. They did this nice flashback to talking to his mom about how uh, her husband was a vet and he died and they never found the body and it was just like yeah. a lack of closure. And so yeah. Dusty made it his mission to bring Snake Peak's body back to his mom. And mm-hmm. like, there's a great scene where like Dusty arrives at the camp and Stretcher, who was the, the, the living medic at the time, was like, bring him here. Like, Don't worry, Snake Peak, you'll be okay. And he's like, Dusty, this man's been dead for hours. And Dusty's mm-hmm. like, I know, I just, I couldn't leave the body. Like that, those issues where they killed a bunch of Joes, like one of them was just a bloodbath. Yep. And then there was this one really heartfelt issue about Sneak Peek. And meanwhile, like in two panels in that same issue, they just kill off all of Battle Force 2000 and then get back to <laughs> the Sneak Peek. Dodger, Dodger, Dodger it, bullet. Yes. Because <laughs> like Dodger a, had another well, action. Like they did it for a reason. Like a they didn't do it just so for shits and giggles. Did DJ live? No, that was DJ's first appearance. <laughs> was in the motorcycle right behind Dodger. He got killed. And then, yeah, they, they all get wiped out. Dodger's on the radio like, anybody, anybody, DJ, it's just you and me. <laughs> 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 so sad. Yeah. Uh, that oh, was the last year I bought figures, so that did not make me sad when all those losers <laughs> I loved shirt. DJ, and I only found out that everyone hates DJ when <laughs> I, mean, I like, got into like, adult collecting. But he's, <laughs> poor Skidmark. Skidmark's a great figure with a terrible <laughs> name. But just remember that it doesn't matter who they kill, death is temporary because of Dr. Venom's uh, crazy brain machine. Yeah, the yeah. brain brainwave scanner. Yes. Yeah. They could bring anybody back. Oh, well, speaking of terrible code names, I did recently found out there's one called Hot Sauce. There is? Apparently, he was uh, a Puerto guy. I didn't know about it. I was an adult when I wow. found out. Yeah, I think I found out about it earlier this year. I'm like, who the hell was that? I looked That's up. really strange because have you ever had Puerto Rican food? Yeah. Zero spice. I lived in Tampa for a long time. Zero spice. And you named this guy hot sauce? That's too fun. Yeah. That's the like, code what? name that I can't believe they got approved and that they keep bringing this character back is Snowjob. Like that. Yeah. This has never been flagged as My like. My older no. friends taught me something when we had the character. <laughs> Did Not, didn't show me, but he taught me uh, a new word. Uh, when I said, hey, look at my new action figure, Snowjob, and he said, if I got something to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for our listeners, look that up on Urban Dictionary. They'll explain what we're laughing about. Just watch Clerks. Or watch Clerks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we've covered why people should read it, and apparently it's uh, written in the Urban Dictionary. Um, as everyone prepares before I, I you know, wrap this puppy up, Um Give one reason you think people should read the comics if they like the cartoons, movies, or action figures. We we'll start with you, John. Put you on the spot because it's awesome. <laughs> Motivated. No, uh, I, I always liked it because most of the ones that I read, whether it was the the secret files or the original comic books or that one that I sent you with uh, Netho Diaz drew, yeah. there was always there was always a reason behind someone dying they didn't do it just for shits and giggles mm-hmm. there was a uh emotional content involved with it it wasn't just mindless mindless violence and as cheesy as it sounds i always thought it was cool that when they had those public service announcements after the episodes of the cartoon i always thought it was cool was it you were trying to 
yeah, he had, he had violence in the show, but it was always for a good reason. They used it as a way to explain why something is bad or why you shouldn't do this or do that. So I, I always liked it. Uh, it wasn't like a lot of the stuff now where it's just mindless debauchery and carnage for no good reason. Okay. What about you, Darren? What would be the uh, the reason you'd give if you're trying to convince someone to read the comics? Okay. Well, first of all, um, when I think of the, not the comics, but, you know, the cartoon, um, my mind immediately goes to pork chop sandwiches. Um, <clears throat> Ryan gets it. Anyway. Get it, and I, I, the cultural currency of those parody ads has... <laughs> become more valuable than G.I. Joe's cultural currency overall. And so, like, there, I have banned any reference to those in the RPG just to As try and get people to actually embrace G.I. <laughs> Joe for what makes it cool, not what makes it funny one time 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, as for why you should go to the comics, storylines are more in-depth because they had more time to, to develop them. Um, characters were more in-depth. Um, the there was more grit to it you know because the the cartoon is really made for children and i don't think the comic was made for children um so if you want to cut past all of the camp and cheesiness and all of the reasons why people ultimately rejected gi joe in the late 80s go to the comics because that's that's really where the soul of gi joe lives as far as i'm concerned okay Ryan, the yeah, the comics. It's just a more mature take on GI Joe, and so like, even if anyone that can track down the original copy of GI Joe number one with the backup story, like do yourself a favor and grab that because the main story on that is a cool like collaboration of every single character. Like everyone gets a little moment in the front story. Then there's a backup story that really sells Snake Eyes and Scarlet and like just what makes them standout characters among the original thirteen where Snake Eyes just will not abandon Scarlet and Doom when she's pinned down. And Scarlet reassures him, don't worry, like, if it really comes to this, I've got a pistol up my sleeve with two bullets. And it's like, whoa, this is not the cartoon G.I. Joe. This is <laughs> tense. This is real. Like, the stakes are very high. And so it just gives you a very different take on these same characters in similar situations, just with very more mature tone. Okay. All right, Michael. Man, I, I really want to riff off of what Ryan was talking about because that story sold the whole comic to me because they forced rock and roll at gunpoint to abandon them and go try to get help. And I was like, dude, I can't believe he, he aimed an Uzi at his own guy. This is amazing. Um, and yeah, it, off of what Ryan and Darren, it is more in-depth. There's more character development. They're less, and ironically enough, I guess, less two-dimensional than the guys on the TV show. Uh, and I don't know if that's because of formatting differences. You can do more with comics. I, I'm not that smart, so I'm not going to comment on that. But the character development and in the storylines is what sold me on that book. And when I originally started reading it, I was burned out on superpowers and I was thrilled that, Oh dude, this is great. No superpowers. And then friggin' Zartan showed up. I'm like what? <laughs> He's absorbing camel patterns from what? I hated that, but I got used to it. I lived with it. Um, but 
it was just a different set of comics for me. And I can well understand why a lot of kids my age who didn't read any other comics got into comics because of this. Keep in mind that a lot of those characters ended up being ninjas or super or pseudo ninjas. <laughs> right. Firefly. Yeah, they did kind of go a little ninja crazy. A <laughs> little bit. Okay. My um Michael, you answered um correct? You finished? Yeah. Oh, you answered correct. Oh, well done, Michael. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> did, did All right, uh, Eric. I didn't know there was a right answer. I mean, I think others have have summarized it it's like everything you like about the cartoon there's more of in the comic like backstory on all your favorite characters unless your favorite character is duke um and uh uh you know and a lot of the hokey dumb shit that you hate about the cartoon is not in the comic it, it doesn't talk down to you it doesn't treat you like a child even if you were a child when it came out and it just is like it's just a cool treatment of the characters by the guy who really kind of sort of invented the characters. And there's just a level of care and love that goes into the stories. And it's just like, not only is it way higher quality than a toy tie-in comic in the eighties needed to be, it's arguably the best comics that Marvel published in the eighties. You know, it's like the X-Men and G.I. Joe, as far as I'm concerned, and everything else is pretty hacky and secondary. Um, oh, like everything, on. it has its ups and its downs, especially as it goes on. But um, it's really great. Like, I honestly think it's a great series. And it's something that going back to now, 30 years after I first read them, I'm enjoying them, you know, now just as an adult and, and they hold up. So give them a try. Yeah, I All mean, right. it was it was their number one seller. Um, yeah, for a good reason, and it and wasn't just they were getting twelve hundred fan letters a week, uh, uh, off of those comics in the mid eighties. I mean, the response was massive. It's really, really good. That's why I recommend it. All right, Stabby Nick, you want to weigh in as we wrap this to a close? Well. Beachhead was my favorite, and I married him. Nice. <laughs> Sucker. I don't want to marry I, any of the guys. I don't really know what else to I don't really know what else to say about that. Like that was my guy. And now I sleep next to him. So <laughs> I look really good in a woolly pulley. I bet. <laughs> and it oh you know, he always comes with the most comfortable sweaters. They're so cozy. Can you steal them? I don't have to steal them. He says you can wear it. <laughs> okay. Me as well. No, um, you should definitely read the comics. The comics have a lot of information that you don't get in the show. You don't get in, you know, with your action figures. I absolutely love the comic books, and that's saying a lot coming from me because I haven't even read my own husband's comic books, like the bad wife that I am. <laughs> but, um... I got all my comic books, my G.I. Joe comic books, by stealing them from my brother when he was um, after school things. So um, I have them and he doesn't. But read the comics. That's the that's the best thing I can tell you because you're going to get a lot more information on the characters, on the background of everybody, not just Joe's, but also Cobra. I mean, 
uh, Word Burglar made a whole entire album of music based on the information he got from the comic books. So, yeah, read the comics. You also got to consider, if I could just say one last thing, is that toy-based comics didn't really make it past two years, typically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want a really good example of that? Look at the ill-fated Crystar Crystal Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> But Eric, um, you're not going to weigh in about Kristar. <laughs> I like Kristar. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> I like his short um, mentor, whose name was OG Odie, if yes. I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> I think I had OG really a bit. I, I had that toy line too. They were actually better than Micronauts, so they had that going well, for them. Those were much great. Better than those Micronauts. were actually great figures, the Kristar figures. Yeah. But the comic was crap, and. Uh, I have no memory of this entire line. <laughs> I barely remember the thing. Does anybody remember Insectoids? Yes. Vaguely. We Very cool figures. Puppet-based action figures. I think we're that talking Sectars. Oh, you're sectars. right. There we sectars. go. Sectars, yep. Sectars, yep. yeah. Is that what it was? That was okay. Cool. I, That's what it was. I yeah. vaguely remember those. Also a Big like four-issue comic book series from Marvel. Right. So you, yeah, it did not last long. Old. Well, the cartoon didn't even last long. Also true. All right, Nick, as we wrap this up, because we're getting close on time, um, what would be your pitch to tell someone to read the comics? And go. Um, if, you, if you're a fan of the action line, or the action figure line, if you're a fan of the, uh, of the cartoons, uh, definitely check out the comics, because you get more in-depth stories, you get a little bit more background on some of the characters, maybe that you love. Maybe there's some one-offs, you like that obscure character, like Torpedo or something. Um you know, and the comics had stakes to them, unlike the cartoon. Mm -hmm. Now, Alrighty. when I played GI Joes, there was some stakes. Mm -hmm. But I had a graveyard for the one all that in my backyard. Oh yeah, <laughs> and fastened to bottle rockets, and it's like, hey, let's see how far Ace can go. <laughs> and then you know, them to the. Um, did any of you make hand gliders out of the balsa wood um, airplanes and like send your Joes into action? I mean, I had a GI Joe hand glider. I wasn't that cool, sir. Dude, I I'm used just to cut the, bills. the word you're looking for is old, not cool. <laughs> we used to cut the bills off of uh, trucker hats that my dad had and never wore, and I turned those into parachutes. And I would take string and I put all their risers together and hook cool. it up to their backpacks, and then hook up the string so I could lower them down too. So I could have a full on, like 82nd airborne level assault with like awesome. 16 Joes. I, I get them from different parts of the room, and I'm like, all right, and. Yeah. We we, oh, we took scary. those. Remember those cheap Kmart uh, paratroopers with the plastic parachutes? Oh yeah, the little plastic dude. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. We would take their parachutes, put them on our Joes, and lob them off the roof, and, poof, and watch. Yeah, the, uh, the Fisher Price Adventure <laughs> people had really heavy duty parachutes that yeah. were made of cloth that you could just whip your dudes way into the sky, and they would come down. And those things probably I made the mistake of putting good. the weapons in their hands because the weapons never made it down. Th those those. Fisher Price toys were made with the durability of Paleolithic hand tools. Like they are still <laughs> solid to this day, uh, but not so much the GI Joes, sadly. Yeah, not so much. But that's my that's my take on the comics. Definitely give them a read. Um, I give it four stars out of four stars. It's one of my favorite comic books, and well, from Marvel or just in general. So, and the image ones are good check too. It out. Nick says, "Check it out." 
All right, all right, all right. And with that being said, Mr. John Eppel, how can listeners and viewers find you on the wild, wild interwebs? And uh, as usual, if you have more questions on this topic, we can do another episode because we've clearly got the Joe nerds in the podcast. <laughs> this reminds me, I found a new comic shop that uh, I think it had uh, one of the special operations comics from G.I. Joe. I need to go back and go pick it up. But uh, yeah, I'm on uh, Seclusion Studios on just about all the main social media outlets. So you can find me there, or I have my account under my name on the Book of Faces. Pretty easy to find. All right, all right. And next, but not least, we have to Mr. Darren Drader. How can they find you on the Wild Interweb? Oh, let's see. They can find me by looking up um, Fallout Pacific Northwest, which I stream on Saturdays. I'm actually finally going to be bringing this campaign to an end. Maybe tomorrow, maybe in two weeks. Haven't decided, but it's finally coming to a close after like three years. Um, you can also find me on numerous RPG products. Uh, just Google me if you want to figure that one out. I don't even have an extensive list anymore. And you can also find me on Drive Through RPG under Darren Drader Designs. That's where I put my custom stuff up, and you can buy directly from me. All right. Uh, Ryan, how can they find you on the wild, wild interwebs? I'm Ryan Casello on Facebook. I'm casello.bluesky.social on Blue Sky. I'm trying to make that my secondary social media platform. But most of my internet stuff I do through the No Direction Network. You can go to nodirectionpodcast.com. We've got some uh, G.I. Joe RPG related stuff up there. Oh, and if you want to know about the G.I. Joe RPG, you can go to Renegade Game Studios uh, and, and check it out there. Okay. And uh, Michael, how can they find you? You, just you. Yes, we're talking to you. Uh, you can find me at michaellevoice.com. That's my website. Um, you may also find information about me at Athon Books uh, because they are the publisher of my series that's releasing in a few days, Galaxy's Most Wanted. Um, also on the Exeter Twitter, whatever they're calling it this week, uh, as <laughs> that Michael LaVoice. Uh, also on Facebook as that Michael LaVoice. Uh, because apparently there's several of us creeping around out there. Um, yeah, so uh, that's where you find me. So what you're saying is there's too many LaVoices out there and you need a hobby other than making Yeah, I'm going to start my own podcast called LaVoices in Your Head. Ah, oh, I like <laughs> it. That's really good. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> yep. Once, once, once I get both of my sons in the same room, we can talk about pop culture and comics and TV and movies. I mean, we'd listen. But we're weird. We've established that. So, all right, Eric. I'm not weird. I'm eccentric. Oh, I like that. I'm stealing that. But, it's just a uh, three-syllable word for weird, dude. <laughs> it's a uh, Scrabble word, though. I will take it, sir. Eric, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me by stalking me in real life um, if you really <laughs> want to. Uh, I have a Twitter account, but I willfully ignore it. Uh, you can if you want to know, if you're like, wow, this guy's such a nerd. He can't possibly have other hobbies that are just as nerdy as action figures and comic books. Oh, wait, and there's more. Games. <laughs> Wrong you are. Uh, you can go and check out Eric Mona. That's Eric with a K on Instagram to see my book collection, which I post about there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Don't 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 use my Twitter. I mean, I'm not saying we're stalking you in real life, but I'm just saying Nick's looking in your window right now. Yeah, that's cool. True story. Cool. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> All right. And you can we have find such me. sites to show you. 
It's only no, legal if you get another one of my favorite franchises, brother. <laughs> Don't cry, Nick. You're it's a waste of good suffering. <laughs> We've got plenty more franchises to dive into as we get nerdy on this podcast, and people are enjoying it. Uh, although I, I'm sure we're going to have the GI Joe RPG uh, to come back to, so they've got at least one more bite of the rabbit, um, or is it? I don't know, bite of something, whatever. Apples, rabbits, beef jerky, something, bite something. Bites. <laughs> <laughs> stabby? No, no stabby. <laughs> Wait your seat. Hey, I'm safe. Uh, this is the part of the episode, dear listener, where I remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers and comic book nerds and RPG players find the right product to entertain them for hours and hours and hours. So do your part, people. It really does make a difference. And you can find us on our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, link tree slash the Blasters and Blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoot, the rumbles, the Twitters, the email for business purposes only, the Facebook group and Facebook page. We link to Madam Stabby Stab's Instagram, Twitter, and email where all the hate mail can go. She is looking forward to it. She says you have let her down. You have disappointed her. She has been dismayed at the lack of content sent her way i expect better from you in season four people and finally she's waiting she's ready you can find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters tack and tack blades again anchor.fm slash blasters tack and tack blades where for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on these episodes are not free to produce and we appreciate every shekel you throw our way you could support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author, author J.R. Hanley. I can speak, I promise. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts duly caffeinated. They will drink until their liver says more, please. <laughs> or uh, Stabby will tell you, you can go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. The code is in the comment section. You could use the code podcastgrunts to get 10% off, support American company, and get highly caffeinated. So what's your current poison? I mean addiction. I mean what? Oh, how's that? I'm still getting a oh, third bag God, of the s'mores. So Diabetes. Diabetes in a cup. That's what that is. Diabetes. Uh, Grimley reference for the win. Yeah, they do sell tea for you weirdos out there. And hot chocolate, cocoa, cacao, whatever. That drink. And they have they candy They just put stuff. out a peppermint hot cocoa. Yeah, for Christmas. For peppermint Christmas. hot cocoa. Oh, freaking standing. All right. With that being said... Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back Yay. next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. It's a shocking experience, I tell you. Seriously, John, Darren, yes. Ryan, Michael, Eric, thank you for coming on. We're going to have all of you back again. This was way too much fun. We got way too nerdy. We yelled over each other like you do at a family dinner. All we were missing was cussing, booze. No, we had the booze. No, uh, I dropped an F-bomb earlier in the show. Yeah, we yeah, have cussing, too. Do. We just he didn't did. have the food throwing, and if you did that, then it's officially a Hanley family Christmas. <laughs> if you and I'm still the red-headed step issue. child. Damn it. You better not well, be throwing food. The Italians just don't buy like you food. food. My family's we, John, we, just we threw some poo. You'll fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we're out.